0: This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Doug Robinson, Executive Director of the National Association of of State Chief Information Officers and a frequent guest on our program. So welcome to Ask the CIO Sled Edition, our state and local program. Doug, nice to have you back.
1: Thank you, John. Good to be back.
0: First, for our audience that may not be too familiar with you or NASIO, just give us a little background of yours and the NACIO uh, institution.
1: NASIO is a national association that represents the State Chief Information Officers, of the states and territories in the District of Columbia. We currently have 53 members, John. So all of the states and territories in the district have a chief information officer as their lead executive for the information technology domain within state government, and all of these people are appointed uh, to their positions. And so they operate as the, again, executive lead for information technology policy, infrastructure services, direction within the executive branch of state government
0: uh-huh and you were also in the state role yourself so as a deputy CIO I believe
1: I was sir I served uh, Commonwealth of Kentucky for a little over 12 years uh, part of that uh, I was the deputy CIO responsible for I was chief enterprise architect strategic planning IT policy uh, I washed dishes clean bottles <laughs> I, did, uh, I did a lot a lot of stuff and I was a uh, I was an active member of then Nassire and then nasio during that time period, so I was very familiar with the association, its mission, uh, and its kind of strategic direction.
0: Yeah, and it's certainly been an interesting, uh, uh, an interesting time over those. Uh, how long do we say it was been? It's a sixteen God, years. Sixteen years, yeah. Well, obviously, the um, the big issue is the uh, last week's election. It's interesting as we've had these conversations in prior years where most of us look at whether uh, states are flipping their governorships, particularly if they're flipping it into, uh, well, flipping it into a different uh, political party. Uh, We've seen some real uh, Sunday night massacres over the years. I remember two years ago, I think there were 36 uh, states that had gubernatorial elections, but it was much smaller this year. I think there were only a couple of changes, right? Correct.
1: We have two states, Montana and Utah that will both have new governors, they were term limited, and then uh, Puerto Rico. So the incumbent governor uh, lost in the primary, so it will be, and of course was already ele- they elected a new governor in Puerto Rico, but you know, we're focused on the two states that, that we will definitely have a new governor and we will certainly have a new CIO in Montana because Tim Bottenfield has already announced his retirement at the end of the calendar year. So he'll be, uh, be leaving before the, the new governor comes on board. And that was also a party change uh, from mm-hmm. a D to an R in, uh, in, in Montana. So that's obviously, as I talked about the transitions, uh, and you mentioned the uh, the large number in, in 2019. So we had 25 new CIOs appointed in, in transitions in 2019, and we've had 15 so far, so 40. CIO transitions in the last two years. So a, a healthy, uh, healthy churn uh, that keeps us, uh, uh, like I said, this, uh, the CIO transition is kind of an annuity program for me as the executive director, because we have to, uh, we have to constantly make new friends. And I always kind of joke and say the one thing NASIO saves a lot of association money on is uh, longevity awards. So we don't give out very many longevity awards at NASIO. Right.
0: Listen to you, right? So you mentioned (laughs) Utah, uh, so how does that affect uh, Mike Hussey? Uh,
1: Still to be determined, Lieutenant Governor uh, Cox is is, uh, the the now governor-elect, and still to be determined uh, what Mike's situation is going to be. I'm not sure that uh, he has any indication yet. The track record in Utah is is to generally have a fairly – uh, long tenures for their for their state CIOs unless something happens. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously, our my my hope is that uh, Mike stays if he wishes to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I don't I don't at this point anyway. We have no indication. I've as you mentioned in your opening about the uh, what happens in the state government uh, CIO ranks. I stopped long ago trying to predict the future on these things, Sean, because you just never know what's going to happen. You, you mm-hmm. can certainly have incumbent as we, We've we got these incumbent CIOs that were all, the incumbents governors that were all reelected. There's nothing to say, and I've seen this happen in the past, that come January, they've made a decision after, you know, three or four years that they want a new CIO. So they may ask their, their incumbent yeah. CIO yeah. To, to not come back for whatever reason. They want to start new with a, you know, new four-year yeah. run, yeah. or that CIO decides, and I've seen this too, they've decided that, uh, Seen this a number of times where they've decided that they had committed. Uh, we had a few that had come out of academia and uh, and they decided that they they had said to the governor that I will serve your first term and I will help you get reelected and then once that happens I am out the door. Mm-hmm. And they many of them have kept to that to that commitment and they, they will leave at the end of the year. I don't have any indication. Again, I'm not speculating on on who might be making those decisions in the next couple of months and on, on the current. The current group, but I again I haven't heard anything publicly that uh, that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, and I would think um, you know after the uh, COVID nineteen impact and the the role that the CIOs have played across the country, and, and in most cases we've agreed they uh, they excelled. Uh, the performance was exemplary. But I'm sure there there's there's it's given the governors an opportunity to assess the CIO's role, and that could impact the future job prospects for some of the incumbents. But we'll. Like you said, we'll certainly have to wait and see. It'd be pretty tough to uh, to make predictions uh, on that. Well, let me move on to something else. I was trying to think for the last couple of days in anticipation of our discussion about the election four years ago, which obviously the presidential was a flip uh, from Obama to Trump. And the impact that that had in terms of the CIOs across the country, I don't really recall any any big initiatives that uh, the federal government embarked upon that affected the states what was your reaction to uh, what happened four years ago when the white House flipped
1: I would say that from our standpoint in terms of our uh, let's let our federal advocacy campaigns we as you know we will release coming up here in uh, in early January our 2021 federal advocacy parties and so we did the same thing and in, in, in uh, after the election of 2008. Uh, 16, with the presidential election, we released uh, two things. One was, since we were going into a new administration, we released uh, policy priorities for a new administration. And you can certainly look at that on our website, where we outlined, uh, obviously, the role of the states. And then uh, not long after that, uh, we released a policy paper early in, uh, usually the second week in January, which we've done for the, the last several years, uh, which we talk about the federal advocacy parties for, uh, for the year. So we'll be doing that again. Uh, if I go back and recall some of our positions there, a lot of those were focused on the cybersecurity front and not surprisingly, and also around uh, the modernization of, uh, and the harmonization of federal cybersecurity regs vis-a-vis the states. And again, we saw some progress on that, but that was primarily because of the, uh, of the GAO report uh, so that was a more of a congressional piece than anything else. We haven't seen substantial or substantive progress on that uh, since we raised that several years ago. So we, we haven't made a, a dent on that, but we did obviously make a lot of progress in terms of relationship. Part of that had to do with the formation of CISA uh, within DHS and a focus on cybersecurity with state and local. Uh, we had a very good relationship with uh, Suzette Kent, the federal CIO, Uh, just on a panel with her actually a couple of weeks ago. So we maintained a good relationship with her, met with her uh, several times during our business to DC uh, to try to talk about and enunciate the the rules of the states and that. But again, we didn't have any substantial, what I would say major policy progress uh, during the last four years, nor did we have any decline. Uh, It was pretty much a steady state. I would say our, our major, platform of cybersecurity continues to get a lot of attention. Pandemic impact has actually brought more of that to the forefront, particularly around legacy modernization, around broadband, and around cybersecurity. So that has raised the stakes uh, on a number of those topics uh, with the administration uh, currently, and also with um, a number of congressional committees that have jurisdiction in those areas. So that's, I'd say that's been the major thrust. So we will be doing the same thing coming up for the new administration, preparing a, essentially a policy white paper, as many associations do outlining uh, those concerns. We could certainly talk about those.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, certainly uh, you know, the, the big issue besides the election, obviously since uh, the beginning of the year has been the uh, pandemic and the impact it's had on the States and obviously the role that CIOs have played. I want to talk about that a little bit, but we're going to first take a little break here. Our guest today is Doug Robinson, Executive Director of the National Association of State CIOs, NACIO. You're listening to Ask the CIO SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Welcome back to Ask the CIO SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Doug Robinson executive director of the National Association of State CIOs. Doug, uh, before the break, we were discussing the impact that the election uh, might have on states in general, and of course, on CIOs in particular. Uh, let's move on to a couple of other issues I'd like to ask you about. And you kind of mentioned it in uh, discussing NASA's advocacy roles, and, and also the role that we will play with the new administration as you've done every four years with the uh, election or reelection of uh, the president. One of the things I've noticed, and there's been a lot of write-ups on over the years, and particularly me being affiliated with Federal News Network, uh, is the federal government's uh, IT Modernization Fund. It's a program, I guess, that's probably, I don't know, four or five years old, but it certainly has implications that I think would be very favorable to state replication. And that is in particular uh, on the performance of uh, state legacy applications some of which were terribly impacted by the uh, pandemic. And of course, I'm thinking of some of the healthcare applications, but in particular, the uh, unemployment applications that have uh, really been torn asunder by the surge in, ap- in, in applicants. Talk a little bit about the, how you think that NACIO, what role NACIO could play in such an endeavor.
1: Well, you're you right, John. If you look at the priorities of of state c i o s currently and I'm saying we'll i won't say post covid but certainly in a post covid scenario we asked them to actually prioritize in our most recent survey, and that's available to all your listeners out on the NASDAO website. So our 2020 state CIO survey has the perspectives of, of all of our respondents. And one of the things we asked about was, what are you going to be priorities uh, in, in that? And they we asked them to kind of a forced choice rank order. So we have a pretty good sense about you know collectively what they're looking at. Not surprisingly, number one is remote. Uh, remote work, securing remote work, and then you know the collaboration platforms. You're using broader use of collaboration platforms, particularly video uh, conferencing and those collective activities for their workforce, not just IT workforce, but all state employees. Because you've got states where 90 percent of the state employee base uh, were working remotely, and many of them uh, sustain that today. Uh, but part of that list, going down the list, the the third thing was digital government, enhanced digital government services, which obviously involves part of federal government programs and many of the, since the states are the agents for many of those large programs, the benefit programs and SNAP and TANF and particularly things like unemployment insurance, which you mentioned is a major issue. So that's a component of that. Uh, I think uh, number four on, on that list was broadband. Uh, and the obviously the things that were exposed uh, four and five were areas that were clearly exposed during the early months of the pandemic one was rural broadband connection and and urban issues around the lack of of affordable and available broadband Uh, and then the last was the basically the legacy modernization and IT modernization so those two areas were ones that CIOs found throughout their programs were exposed so we've advocated for more discussions About that. There's been some discussions from both in the CARES Act as well as uh, subsequent discussions on uh, pandemic stimulus programs uh, that the digital infrastructure component be included. So we've had some conversations with a number of of committee members and folks on the Hill and part of the administration, but particularly with Congress around uh, recognizing that the states are going to require. Additional funding like the technology modernization fund for the federal side, states are going to require that on the state side over the long term. But there's again a a challenge there and a lack of recognition about the length of time it takes to modernize some of these platforms, as you know. So we have to be very careful about managing expectations and also discussing that would be a big number, John. That would be in the billions of dollars when you kind of look at uh, over 20. Uh, unemployment systems, UI claims processing systems in the states uh, have not been modernized, around 20 of them. So we have states that, right? that require significant mm-hmm. uh, investments to to make to move those to modern platforms. And by that, I mean predominantly probably moving to a cloud uh, software as a service kind of model. Uh, but again, these are, as you know, complex, intertwined, uh, lots of integration between UI claims processing and, and a lot of others. But uh, mm-hmm. A lot of that clearly is going to have to be addressed uh, sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that raises another question that's always intriguing, and that is, as we've noticed over the last, well, 20, 25 years that we've been involved in this business, we've seen uh, significant initiatives funded by the federal government to pay for some of these state programs in areas like you mentioned, welfare, unemployment, et cetera, et cetera. And and child child support's another one. That's the one I'm thinking of. When all of a sudden the federal government comes along and puts out several billion dollars for states to start building uh, new child support systems, well, it sucked all the air out of the room in terms of uh, expertise to be able to get the private sector companies to come in and help states uh, pull these systems together. And that just was so stretched. Uh, there was uh, and there were, there were transfer rules with uh, you know the technologies that were funded in one state, you had to transfer to another. These cause the states all kinds of problems, only that, that they're still going through, I think, uh, in these areas. So that's, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for. It could, that could happen again if it's not done uh, in a very uh, iterative way and very, uh, you know, have to figure this thing out, how, how best not to have that, that terrible impact that by getting, uh, you know, a gangs of, of states to all of a sudden decide to do these systems and they're just not the kind of expertise out there to, to do it all at once anyway.
1: Yeah, certainly not at once. And if you look at the track record uh, since 2009, when we experienced this, particularly using the unemployment claims as an example a CRUSH, the, the states that began that process in 2009 or 10, they, they were just finishing. Some of them actually got caught In the tail end, their plan, they were on a a basically a four to five year modernization project for their whole range of both UI claims processing and UI tax uh, filing from employers and modernizing that. Many of them were scheduled to end in the fall of 2020 now. So they got caught (laughs) last year, still on old systems, but they were in a four to five year. I know several states where essentially it was a four year project to get from where they were. In, uh, in that time period. And they just, again, they, that, it's a funding issue. I think the challenge with that, uh, quite frankly, is it is exceedingly difficult to go for massive modernization funds. It could be in the hundreds of millions of dollars, depending on the size of the state, when your unemployment rate's at three, three and a half percent. Legislators <laughs> are gonna say, why, why do you need to modernize this system? What's the demand? You, you seem to be handling it fine. Why do you need to spend all this money on, you know, on new call centers? Why do you need to move to, as we saw states that made the wise decision to move to, to cloud? Well, why do you need to make that migration? Why do you need to spend all the money to modernize when you have a very small number of claims filings? So obviously the inability to predict the future for all of us did kind of raise this ugly head uh, last March.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it'll be interesting. I've, uh I've been looking into this whole area of uh, the impact, particularly in the unemployment area. And you had so many, and not just uh, IT folks, but most of the public uh, uh, officials that spoke uh, into to, to explain why they're having such a problem have, have, have blamed have blamed the problem on their legacy applications. You know, and I gotta I gotta be thinking that that's going to become kind of a dog ate my homework kind of excuse. I mean, if I'm a new elected official, or if I'm a new cabinet secretary overseeing major uh, citizen facing uh, business applications, like unemployment or welfare, et cetera, my first day on the job or second day, and I sit down with my IT folks and they explain that Hey, you know, we got this legacy application, but we don't have the funds to fix it. If I was that cabinet secretary, secretary, I'd say, that's bull. We've got to do something about this. If we can't, uh, you know, wait for the next pandemic or calamity or disaster to impact us, and we're going to be on the front page for for months, uh, unless we do something about it, then we've got to raise these issues all the way up to the governor's office.
1: Right. Well, but you, and, but you got to look at the timing of this as well, John. I mean, you look at the fact that in, in, uh, you know, we had, uh, 31 we had 36 elections in 2018 including you know the couple that have the two-year terms and mm-hmm. so we had a lot of new governors you know that came on board even even though many of the incumbents prevailed you still had a number of new governors that came on board in 2018 yeah. a lot of these things uh, don't survive past a new administration I look at it and they're making uh, exceedingly tough parties and I think if, yeah. if you're looking at the future you Know that's the discussion that we're having right now is trying to you know, what are the major trends to watch? And clearly, Absolutely. number one is going to be the fiscal stress uh, yep. on the states from the budget, and you know, how are they going to you know, what project they're going to defer. Can they, for example, can yep. they afford right. to defer yep. what right. you just talked about? Those are yep. very tough choices when tough you, choices, got, indeed.
0: We only yeah. have a minute, we only have about a minute left, Doug. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the NASIO conferences. You've just uh, gotten through your second virtual. <laughs> Uh, NACIO conference here. Uh, the annual fall uh, had to postpone the spring one last uh, earlier in the year. Uh, what's the future look like now? I know I'm asking to bring out the crystal ball, but you must have <laughs> contingency plans, right?
1: Yes, we we always the we've, even in in person conferences. Obviously, we have, as you know, we 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 have a very uh, I think tight project plan and this business system. You know, obviously, we're already talking about plan. Plan A and Plan B. We are scheduled to be back at National Harbor in May of 2021, and we will be uh, looking at that and obviously making decisions in early 2021 about that about that event. Uh, Giving what I'm seeing in the marketplace and with other major groups and associations, I'd say you know it's it's definitely not foregone that we're going to do an in-person event, but. Uh, it's I, I, I'd have to you know speculate on what what that would take from a public health perspective and also for right. the right. and safety of our our members. We generally yeah. have, I think, our last mid year conference we had almost seven hundred uh, upper you know, almost seven hundred right. attendees. So yeah, I, I we're going to obviously that's going to take a lot of serious consideration for us to think that we're going to do that. Yeah. Most of the national conferences like ours mm-hmm. through the first six months of 2021 yeah. have already been moved to a a virtual or some kind of hybrid event. or is that right yeah so. yeah
0: we'll have to leave it at that we'll conclude our program today i'm going to thank our guest doug robinson executive director of the national association of state chief information officers and thank you for listening content from this state and local program which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors as part of the recently expanded ask hope you can join us again next time until then Bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, Sled Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to the show on iTunes or Podcast One.